So welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today, I'm joined by David Rutter, Tony Tripkowski, and Niraj Kumar to discuss building high-performance teams that embrace DevOps. Before we get into the topic in a bit more detail, we'll start off with a few interactions. So David, would you like to kick us off? Yeah, thanks, Abby. Yep, my name's David Rutter. Um, I'm uh, an organizational change manager at Wireless Car, so we're in the west coast of Sweden in Gothenburg. Um, I've worked in IT for, well, it seems like a long time now, for a few decades um, as as a developer, um, as a as a BA, as a Scrum Master, and and more recently as an organizational change manager, focusing on DevOps and team development. Um, that's why I live with my family just uh, south of Gothenburg um, and really enjoy the outdoors and going to the beach and things like that. Amazing, lovely. Um, Tony, would you like to introduce yourself next? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm uh, Tony, uh, based in Stockholm. Um, also hanging uh, around a lot of the time with the family. I have um, about 18, 19 years uh, of experience within IT. Um, been running for about five years a city of Sivas. Now the company is rebranded and became part of Kinshift. It's a new brand within Europe. You'll probably hear about in the next two, three years. And I'll be taking over uh, a role of VP for many services. Have a background uh, from developer, system integrator, tech lead for both dev teams, uh, DevOps teams, and uh, operations. So, thank Amazing, you. lovely. And last but not least, Niraj. Hello, uh, my name is Niraj, and uh, I'm a tech lead at Telefinance. Uh, so, Telefinance is a uh, credit and marketing company, um, finance also financing a lot of uh, equipments uh, for Thalia. So it's a company within Thalia Group. Um, I'm a tech lead, uh, leading uh, application and DevOps team for quite a long time. So and my background have been in Java and full stack uh, development. So and I have worked uh, across uh, many industries uh, like. Uh, 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 banking and finance, telecom, and uh, um, and automo- automotive actually. So um, yeah, and my in my free time, I love to spend time with the family and also try to see what's happening in tech because it's a lot of things happening every time, all the time. So I'm based in Stockholm uh, and happy to be part of this. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, the Knowledge Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast.
Amazing. Lovely. Well, now that we know you all a bit better, we'll get stuck into the questions. So as usual, we'll make our way around the group where you've asked your own questions and obviously you can share your own opinions and thoughts on building high performance teams that embrace DevOps. So David, you are up first and you ask, how do you track teams and how do you know that they're high performing? And then a follow up as what does this mean for the teams and DevOps, i.e. how does it help their DevOps adoption to tell us a bit more about your question? Sure. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, so so at, at Wireless Car, we, um, yeah, we have a, a way that we um, we try and you know, work out how a team is is high performing and we say high performing according to measures such as psychological safety and collaboration and, and communication and of course we we look at how the the team performs in in what they um the work they're able to do and i'm curious to hear from from other um companies so so from naraj and tony about how you approach this how do you know whether uh, a team is is high performing um how do you measure that and also um what what impact your know, positive impact do you think this has on on you know how how they have adopted devops and run Raj, you want to start yeah. yeah yes uh, i can start uh, i think uh, in my opinion a high performing team is one which is uh, very adaptive to change uh, having high trust within the team, rely on each other, um, work efficiently and uh, high on collaboration and innovative in nature. So um, it's a team uh, which is uh, which has a good culture, uh, have psychological safety also within the team. And that makes uh, the work at the at the end of day quite uh, good in quality and fun at the same time. So um that's uh, that's what i can think of uh, what does high performance team mean i mean everybody everybody feels safe at work and also enjoy working with mm. each other in a high throughput manner which uh, at the end of uh, sprints uh, add values to the end user the teams are quite end user focused so which also take quite a lot of uh, you know shorter feedback loops and uh, and also care a lot about their end users so when it comes to measurement uh, i mean how do you measure high performing performance team so there are uh, there are some key metrics which uh, which uh, i mean is recommended from dora so which uh, i mean uh, typically we as scrum teams can also visualize to see how are we doing as 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 uh, far as performance is concerned, like uh, uh, frequency of release or deployment, so uh, ideally uh, that is an indicator of a high performance team. It should be as I mean um, one per day or one once in a week uh, depends upon how, what maturity you are in. Uh, then there is a shorter a shorter lead time for changes. So as soon as you commit the change, how how soon it goes out into production, um, and then there's something called a mean time to mean time to recover. So let's say you found an issue in production, um, then 
how much time do you take to recover from those bugs or errors is it in hours or days and uh, uh, and of course then there's a percentage of automation involved so um, usually high performance team also have high level of automation because manual tasks are you know are error prone and and can can also invite bugs so as soon as you are high you have high automation you have less chances of bugs and and issues in production and also make sure that you have high quality so these are some of the parameters which uh, you can visualize to to see where your team is right now and and devops of course is a is a core enabler of high performance team so i see when when we see when we talk about devops and high performance i see they go quite hand in hand or they are quite equivalent <laughs> so uh, all the good things of devops uh, enable team to do high performance if I, i cannot see a team having high performance without devops practices so mm-hmm. if i can summarize in that but and of course you can all do all these things uh, um, using different ways of working like you can fixing technical technical thing process and culture and management mm-hmm. yeah. so i think that's my initial thoughts well good ones uh, uh i i i would definitely agree with not, uh, especially the frequency uh, it's very important to measure this uh, so you can think of continuous improvement which is the core of the devops culture basically and uh when we i i can add for example uh tracking um a failures but not for the sake of uh, uh basically how many failures but actually what happened what went wrong for the sake of prevention mm-hmm. and uh what we can do to improve to actually make uh, avoid these uh, failures another one is response and resolution time this comes more from the ops world but it's mm. very important yeah. uh, uh because it uh also keeps the customer satisfaction high but on the other side is the production availability which is at the end of the day uh, very important uh, what is a, a particular um I, i would say we measure also the hours spent for manual tasks uh this has to i would say takeaways on a positive side one is uh, people and the team is happier if uh, more of the this repetitive tasks are automated and then mm-hmm. you have visibility which tasks actually are not automated automating this task also reduces the time to release pretty much and it can be in direction of uh, automated testing or automated uh sec- security tests or even deployments by ops teams um uh, lately i would mention two interesting measures which are not quite typical one is innovation and uh, i believe mm-hmm. it's very important lately to uh motivate the teams to innovate and actually allocate some small time and run three month cycles of box by uh including everybody's ideas of course the hype lately with ai most of the ideas will be related to ai but it this innovation keeps the team quite 
uh, motivated. We've seen uh, higher uh, interest and high uh, retention as well. And the second one is um, uh, more related to safe and larger organizations and uh, having uh, solving the problem of mapping the value streams with the actual prioritization. So this is, I would say, one of the latest stages in uh, when when you complete this step, you realize that the full organization is actually is agile from that point onward. So David, I, I we hope we, we contributed to some ideas. Or, yeah, thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty good responses, I think, to yeah. to my question. Um, but just a quick ref reflection on something you said, Niraj, and it's hard to be high performing without um, without without DevOps, which is yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I, I think it was the State of DevOps report was it last year um, where they were talking about how you could um you could have an organization that you know rate, uh, ranks high on some of the the measures it, if you but if you're not you don't have all the things in place that you just end up burning people out and, and they start yeah. leaving um which is really really interesting but also good that um this is coming through um in the data yeah. and and tony yes i i um yeah value stream mapping that's a that's a big topic for us at wireless car too and that's a pretty um it takes a high level of commitment um as well yeah, from the exactly. organization as a whole yeah not just your, your dev teams um yeah and in innovation i really liked your comment uh about innovation i think that that also is a, is really enabled by having high performing teams so being able to sort of measure that in some way and track that I think that's a really interesting point too. Yeah, thank you. Glad yeah. you liked it. <laughs> I think cool. uh, uh, the new state of uh, DevOps report uh, points out some new things uh, this year, uh, which is okay. also contributing to high performance teams. Uh, one of the thing, interesting thing is uh, how fast uh, do you do code reviews uh, in your team? Yeah, yeah. So that also contributes to high performing team i mean teams usually which are high performing they have quite fast code review process as well mm. yeah and there, there was a, a talk uh, i went to the devops conference recently and there was a talk um about code reviews um, really good talk not only mm. just about efficiency and mm. having a good sort of template for them, but also psychological safety and code reviews, which of course yeah. you know, helps the team in general. Really good talk. It's a really interesting yeah. topic, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thanks, guys. Amazing. Lovely. Well, we will move on to the second question now, and it is yours, Naraj, where you asked, how do you measure that a team has a good culture? So tell us a bit more about your question. Yeah, uh, so my question revolves around culture and, uh, you know, uh, culture uh, to build a, a good DevOps team, which is high performing culture is a key aspect. And if I can say it's the foundation. So um, if you don't have a good culture, I mean, the practices can fail and uh, 
I have seen that a lot of organization focus on, let's say, when it comes to recruitment, everybody wants to recruit very good. I mean, uh, best in the on the market. And but the organization don't realize that if you don't have a good culture, even if a good team member will come into the team, but um, that but it will not be having the same result in terms of you know performance or the team um, value creation. So. My question is in that context, uh, since uh, culture is the foundation, how do we measure, I mean, the team uh, has a good culture and can reflect on what are the improvements can be done. So that's, uh, I thought of asking this question to the panel and see what they feel, mm -hmm. you know. Thank you, Nidas. Uh, David, you okay if I take the first response? Sure. Yep. yep. Okay. Go ahead, Tony. A good question, Yuras. And um, uh, this also goes along with the value streams you mentioned. I believe it's, uh, we need to look at the company uh, culture level, uh, especially since one of the problems we might encounter is if different teams have, are at the different stage of maturity of adopting DevOps culture. And uh, especially when it comes to collaborating between the teams, etc. What we've seen uh, in most of the organization, it takes about 12 months to adapt uh, with a lot of efforts about awareness, about training, analysis, and so on. So uh, now we're working on reducing this uh, time. But uh, one of the important things is um, leadership, promoting open communication. Uh, especially a culture of inclusion and continuous learning. Um, this Kaizen uh, mode of work uh, is one of the basics for DevOps. Uh, and um, adoption of different tools, different ways of working, and even continuous changes in the future is very important for um, keeping at this level of culture at the company level, not on the specific team. Um, then another important point is the collaboration, especially uh, looking at uh, what tool is used, uh, whether everybody uses the, the, this tool in the same way. For example, our teams using Slack and other teams using Teams will not work. Uh, does the team consider observability is transparent enough or we need to think about tools? Uh, are teams spending a lot of time tracing who did what, where, etc.? This creates, um, uh, I would say, uh, reduces the level of uh, collaboration between uh, teams instead of um, um, increasing. Uh, then. Uh, important aspect is the mindset on thinking on automation uh, and understanding of the infrastructure as a code approach, uh, the backlog prioritization, how um, how this prioritization is done, and uh, how do we coordinate pretty much. Uh, priorities across multiple teams. I've seen cases where we have two development teams uh, in the landscape, but they're uh, ecosystems with 70 plus 
development and operations teams. So uh, in such environments, we have to uh, not only have the tools, but also a common understanding. How do we prioritize? How do we communicate, etc. And I always say to my coworkers, if you are not monitoring it, you cannot call it a service. So um, this understanding of even when coding, uh, what type of logging you would include, that uh, this helps with the observability and that all the other teams will be able to actually see the changes and any uh, particular event or information they need. So it's not only about tools, but also the people, processes, and the collaboration. David? Yeah, cool. Thanks, Tony. Yeah, <laughs> that's really nice. Um, yeah, so so what I think it, it's, it's hard to measure... Uh, see a team's culture directly um but you can you can see some indicators and one of the the ways is if you can get a good um a a a good process for getting anonymous data from from individuals in the team and in the organization i think you can see some interesting things there and you can ask them things about um you know psychological safety which of course is really important and then trust um but do they you know how do they do they trust the the um the other team members on like a personal level but also on a technical level you know there's different types of trust um in the team and then of course whether they trust the management team and whether they feel trusted by the management team um as well and and there's there's other things like this um, that I think can help to build a picture of of a, of a team culture from those different different aspects um, as well. And then if you've got some something like some tool that can help sort of point out different different areas, you can help the team to work on it. Um, and also, if you've got somebody, you know, or a manager for the team, or a scrum master working for the team, and they can sort of uh, step back and, and see how the team is is um, how the team works, and you know what they think the team culture you know looks like from their perspective, um, and they can also you sort of pick out areas they can improve, or even if there's sort of you know what maybe dysfunctional behaviour. Um, in the team or, or areas where they can improve. Um, so areas where they can improve such as, um, you know, just a basic communication. So in a team, you, you want a, uh, you know, a, a different mix. Um, you want inclusiveness and you want a, you know, a lot of diversity in the team. But of course, that means that there's a diversity of, of um, personalities and communication styles in the, in the team. And, so one like one exercise, particularly if you've got somebody who's pretty you know outspoken dominant in the team, is um, you know if you're discussing something, debating something, then before they can give their opinion, they need to repeat and sort of um, restate what the last person said, so that to, to make sure they they listen to other people's opinions before giving their own, and 
I think some exercises like that um, can help to to build a, a, a team culture um, and, a, and a better team culture and a more sort of understanding team, team culture as well. Um, and then, of course, this this um, is sort of the what do you call maybe the softer aspects of the team culture. But and I, I really liked Tony what you said about how this comes out in some of the the way the processes of the team and the the the, the way the ownership they take, um, how this sort of flows onto the more technical aspects. I think this, you know, it's really important to have a good base to to work from. Thank you for your inputs, Tony and David. It's a, I agree, and it's very it's a, it's a difficult to measure culture uh, because it's not a hard thing; it's a soft thing, and uh, it's a collection of a lot of things uh, like what Tony you said regarding process and people and collaboration. And David, you also mentioned regarding the psychological safety and and also get, uh, maybe scrum masters or some people can step back and see how the team is actually at the moment and what things can be improved. Um, that's true. I mean, it's very difficult to measure culture because there are no parameters, so to say. You can scale, not you can not scale. I mean, in a definite terms, it's a mm. you know subjective. Um, but uh, I mean, uh, but scrum master or people who are responsible for culture or leaders can follow some kind of uh, uh, methodologies like Westrom, which defines some typology mm. in organization. So a typical yeah. team can be power-oriented, rule-oriented, or performance-oriented. And uh, there are some signs which you can say that. And most of the high-performing team uh, falls in performance-oriented category, where there's a high level of cooperation. You can see within the team members if they are doing pair programming, more programming, or are they working in silos, you know? Uh, how much are they collaborating over Slack or Teams or, or you know, sol solving problems together? Yeah. Are the risks being being are shared with the team, or when there's something going wrong, are we trying to find scapegoats, or is it a collective mm. ownership? Uh, so, and uh, you know, we we have a we have a culture of uh, uh, practicing failure, or you know, as I say, fail fast. That means you know you do small things, try out and fail and learn actually, and you know go next yeah. step. So. I think these are some of the some of the signs. Also, I mean, if somebody has a new idea, they are accepted, you know, and tried out rather than you know, I mean, mm. not taken care of or rejected. I mean, so, um, so I think some of these uh, methodologies can be applied to see where the what is the state of the team right now and what things can be improved. Um, it is difficult to measure, but I mean, people who have experience can see it actually. Uh, how yeah. Somehow exactly. sense yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. One, there yeah. is one very easy yeah. way to, it's informal, but you speak with mm -hmm. uh, one of the Scrum Masters and you also speak with the IT manager and get yeah. feedback for, for each other. And then if you get like uh, from the Scrum Master that, um, yeah, the server, the hardware was not ready. We have prepared the release. We are ready to go live now. They are late with the hardware. Then you go to IT and they would say they never included in, in, the, in the planning. It takes yeah. two months to order a <laughs> server. Then you know that there is a long way. 
to go. But um, don't worry, so, yeah. yeah, so I think this feedback from the actual different parts of the organization might, like you said, Niraj, the experience tells us that we know yeah. where we are. Uh, and a lot yeah. of uh, yeah, yes, David. Yeah, no, I was just going to say sometimes you need to experience <laughs> things, you know, just, just yeah. and then over time you you understand what uh, what that person was actually saying and what that shows about the culture. Yeah, sorry, Naraj. Yep. Yeah, uh, and I think uh, the leadership also has a very important role to play when it comes comes to building culture and keeping it alive. Actually, so. Um, do you have any thoughts like uh, how leaders, let's say a team has some gaps in culture, not so good. How leaders can contribute here to make that happen and make the team high performing back on track? So, mm. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question, right? One of the, the main things you expect from leaders is them to model the behavior that they want to see. Mm. Right? That's, that's easy to say, of course, mm. but that's that's what you want. Mm. Um, and and sometimes, you know, if if they're having say say a leader's having a discussion with a team, right, and they can see the team, you know, they're not, you know, they're not communicating well. They don't. Um, they they don't handle disagreements well. And of course, the leader can 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 show you know in the right way of asking the right questions um you know when they challenge say they challenge an idea just to show the team how it's done they, they can yeah. ask the right question the right way what what led you to that conclusion what would happen if you know you approached it this way um those are some of the things and i you know i've seen this in action as well which is really really interesting to see and really good to see because then people go oh mm. the leader handles it this way <laughs> i should do the same yeah. definitely agree lead, lead by example especially yeah. the leadership should uh, be first aware of this both worlds especially uh, in when starting as well and that awareness is something that we need to bring up for each other in each parts of the organization uh, yeah. Yeah. and uh, one of the uh, there are many ways and and uh, things we can do but uh, also creating initially in these early stages uh, like a swarm concept where different members of the team start collaborating on first it might be incidents but also planning later it will help to raise this awareness. And, um, and of course, planned trainings um, across the organization. So again, we are back to this, the leadership should try to identify and lead the organization uh, as close to the same level on each part and not one part being faced uh, ahead of the others. So. Yeah. I think uh, mm -hmm. I agree with uh, both of you. Uh, leadership has uh, a key role to play here by providing, you know, that psychological safety net to the team and and embracing that culture of learning and innovation, you know, um, and also keeping the team aligned with organization goals and transparency. So um, I think um, 
if there is a team which has a not so good culture leaders uh, are the one i think uh, can do a lot in this area hmm. so Amazing, lovely. Well, that was a really great discussion. Um, and we'll take it on to our last question, which is from you, Tony. And you asked, are you considering security aspects being covered by a separate team or would you think more over in DevSecOps setup slash shared responsibility? This segment has been important for the overall performance of the team. So would you look at this from a team skills perspective, tools, technologies perspective or both? So tell us a bit more about your question. Yes, it's uh, quite uh, common to, of course, see security as sometimes. Some teams would see it as a bottleneck. Some teams would actually be aware that everybody should be responsible for uh, security. But, uh, and then there are different aspects. I was just interested to, to hear what's your experience. Um, how do you see security? Is it a separate department or it's embedded within the team's awareness? Do you use tools or you would use a cybersecurity department expertise? We know that not one person can be experts in everything, but hmm. yeah. So. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I'll go first if you don't mind, there, it's Rush. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Tony. Yeah, that's a good question. It's a really interesting one uh, because you know um, how a team um, thinks about and handles security also reflects on their culture. Uh, I think so. It's a great, it's a great question. Um, the the way, and I know the way we work. So at Wireless Car, and I, I kind of. Uh, also agree with the way we were set up so the the teams have a heavy responsibility uh for um for security at, at wireless car so we you, i think is in going back to the culture having a good sense of responsibility and ownership of your part of the solution or your your services and including security um is really important and really reflects on the team culture and and of course, the organization needs to support and make sure that the the team either has the tools or have have the right uh, parameters to select the tools to to handle this and and then you know of course, we talk about shifting left, but uh, you know it's a real thing. shift it as far left in the um, development process as you can with the right checks and controls later on um, in the release process. So we've worked hard on knowledge. Uh, and then use of tools. Um, you know, for example, you know, we uh, we're we're using um, GitHub Advanced Security, you know, to help our developers and, and to make sure that you know we've got the right the right things in in place. That's part of the development process. Um, we've also got a central cybersecurity team, and and they're looked at as the experts in the area who are able to provide help and coaching and you know provide the expert expertise and then and around you know the, the tools and organizing pen tests and things like that so it's a big shared responsibility but i think that the yeah, the team itself you know, like you said you, you can't expect them to be experts in everything but it's so central to to their work as developers and um, 
and you know the, the testing and the, the quality that they, they need to take a big part in the ownership and be supported by the organization so, always yeah, always good to, to hear teams have embraced security so. yeah thanks david yeah yes yeah. uh, i think uh, security in today's world and uh, i think in coming world is uh, as you know is going to be very uh, of great importance uh, every team application team have to care about so uh, i think when we talk about security uh, we talk about devsecops which is a branch of devops so um, and i see security as a shared responsibility model it's not like uh, when we used to be in old days there had there was a security department and we in application and devops team are caring only about business logic and delivering to the users but not caring about security yeah. so yeah i think uh, with devsecops uh, model it is a shared responsibility and uh, the team application team and the devops team they start thinking about security right from the beginning as you say david it's uh, we have to apply shift left and uh, mm. and i see a lot of organizations are right are uh, getting aware of this and also applying principles uh, of uh, secops so yeah i mean and it can be it can be as early as uh, like using tools in your code editors and ides so use you yeah. you can use plugins where when you do when you develop some functions and code it can you know at the same time give some like okay you are not developing this as per the standards and you are uh, you know opening a hole for security here so Mm. Then when you code, you can get some kind of checks and then you can use some tools uh, on your CI CD pipelines, which can do some automated, you know, scannings of your runtimes of your, you know, uh, application code, like if it is having some vulnerability. So there are a lot of tools uh, we have been recently uh, been evaluating some commercial tools and also there are open source source tools like Trevi. So uh, the more automation we do here, I mean, as which is a kind of key concept of DevOps, the more safe we are. Uh, and uh, also there's a principle which is uh, which we uh, in DevOps and application team use uh, in today's world, modern development, which is called security by design, you know. So mm -hmm. you start thinking of security from the design from the design stage itself. So apart from these uh, automation tools, which uh, um, enabled our today's development teams to be good in security and SecOps, I think there are some more practices we have done in our organization at Telefinance. Um, we have done something called threat modeling sessions, actually. So mm -hmm. threat modeling is uh, something, uh, uh, some a practice where you take the application as a whole and you invite security specialists and we do some kind of modeling of all the user flows and which are the points which are more exposed or can be exposed and you need to take care of it. And these models are from end-to-end -end perspective, from a network till your database or you know, from the um, from the end-to-end -end, uh, view. So, mm -hmm. and th thereby making the teams more aware of where to take care of your application from a security perspective. So, I think these practices helps in the shared responsibility and keeping the application uh, safe from you know uh, people who are 
who have bad intentions so you know hmm. thank you very very good uh, answers and i'm glad that uh, we all agree on the shift left bringing security to development yeah. as early yeah. as possible in the process um absolutely it's uh, it's going to be even more important it's a challenge to um train all team members and have the team up to date with mm-hmm. when it comes to tech skill, uh, skills perspective um but uh, all this awareness and re- shared responsibility helps us uh, even if there is a security incident uh then this sense of urgency will be present in all teams uh and uh, on resolving this uh i'm more of a fan of prevention of course uh the tools that we uh use because it has to be balanced it, uh, if i i can get splunk and dynatrace and elastic but that will not work with the budget of course and uh mm-hmm. have to think of uh on the other side not having the security being the bottleneck and this is one of the points that might increase the time to release right uh but uh and every now and there uh i, I would still look of external party just take a look uh because this gives um uh we cannot have pen testers to pen testing on every release but yeah. uh the tools can help us with the secure coding with vulnerability scanning can be important and what i learned uh along the years is when you you can buy a vulnerability scanner but then that will produce let's say 500 findings so mm. how do you actually <laughs> solve that then later <laughs> and um it turns out that a big portion of the findings are related and to a good patch management process so we need to have the it aware that actually yeah. the impact if the patch management is good then the findings will be actual 2030 uh findings that need correction and it cannot just make a registry change without knowing the impact on the system and etc et mm. so these are some of the i would say bruises <laughs> getting <Yeah. laughs> along the the way but uh, then uh, thanks a lot for for the good answers it's uh, great to hear that your teams uh, have the security awareness and not see it as a button but actually embrace it so yeah um, and uh, i think uh, as you mentioned there can be a lot of reports from those kind of tools but maybe application teams can choose some of them uh, and uh, something is better than nothing i mean then you 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 security yeah. you cannot be perfect but you can keep you know yourself as a proactive mechanism and you know as you said defensive way of uh, application development one of the practices which also teams can do to increase uh, their uh, secops approach is to uh, to have some workshop periodically uh, to increase the knowledge in the team and awareness so let's say some workshop where uh, where teams can talk about wasp 
new findings in terms of what are the vulnerabilities, top vulnerabilities happening in the world, and also teaching each other because security is one which is quite a specialized thing, but the developers can, you know, get some hands on or, you know, awareness and that can help the security by design thing to act in. So I feel uh, uh, we have to be have collective ownership. And as you know, I mean, applications are moving towards cloud where, you know, <laughs> where you yourself are responsible for everything and you need to be aware of uh, security also uh, when you go to public cloud, you know, so. Mm. Especially in public cloud. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Amazing. Well, we've come to the end of our questions. Does anyone have any other follow-up questions or anything that they want to discuss before we finish the podcast? Right. No. Amazing. No. Good. Well, we'll leave it there then. Um, so this has been another episode of the Evolution Exchange podcast. I just want to take this opportunity to thank David, Tony and Naraj for joining us on this episode. And thank you to the listeners as well. If you would like to get involved in one of our upcoming podcasts, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn or by email at abby.stokes at evolution-nordics.com. See you next time.